Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Uh, it's good to be here together this morning. And, uh, you know, we begin, my, my year begins in September. Uh, it's been that way forever. I look forward to a brand new year. And, and I look forward to all the things that God's going to do through this year. Uh, thank you, Eddie. I appreciate your help there. Uh, this morning, last week, I shared with you um, a message, and I, I'm not really making it a series, I'm just a couple messages that I wanted to share with you that really were prompted by a message that, that Pastor Lauren shared a couple weeks ago. The Lord challenged me in, in something she shared, the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that God is a powerful God? Amen. Amen. We believe that, but do we say that, but do we really believe that? Do we really believe how powerful he is? And, and as I was looking at that and thinking in terms of all that he has done and all that he wants to do, one of the things that hits me is that we need to understand the dynamic of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Those three entities create and make God. Amen? We, we are Trinitarian here. We believe that only, there's only one God. But we believe that God is the Father. We also believe that God, the Son, Jesus Christ. And we also believe God, the Holy Spirit. Did, did you understand it? All three are God. How many of you know that you can pray to God the Father? How many of you know you can pray to Jesus the Son? How many of you know you can pray to the Holy Spirit? Because they're three. They're equal. They're, they're all God in that sense. Uh, in, in looking at that, I, I began to recognize something that's very valuable, I think, to all of us. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just a theological dynamic. It is a powerful tool. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Am I the only one here that needs him? I need his guidance. I need his direction. I need his comfort. I need the enabling abilities that he brings into my life. I need all the things that he has for me. And too often we relegate the Holy Spirit as an entity that's somewhat spurious. We don't understand it. We don't know about it. We, it it's mystical. Maybe some of you were taught like I that it's not necessary for today. We don't need the Holy Spirit today. That was of the, the days of the apostles. But that's not true according to the word of God. I'm going to stand on the word of God not on the dictates of theology of men. Hello? Please hear that. So when, when we look at the Holy Spirit, there's some things that we need to understand with it. One, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, and, and I'll bring it out a little further later in the message, Paul is going to the city of Ephesus, and there's been an outpouring of God's presence. People are coming to the Lord, and it's a powerful time, and, and, and Paul comes to them, and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not even so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Kind of sounds like the church I came out of. Knew about Jesus. Knew about the Father, but nothing was ever spoken about the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it was because of fear or because of, of a, a bias toward or against. Or maybe there were abuses of that people were somewhat detracted by. Any teaching on the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you this morning a term. Because that term is synonymous. Not only in the Old Testament, New Testament, it's a thread that goes through all of it. There is a baptism that occurs in three different dynamics. One, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized 
into one body. It's interesting. Into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. We have been baptized into Jesus. That's my salvation. When I come to faith in Christ, the the Bible tells me it's the Holy Spirit that draws me to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that brings me into that foundation of my faith. So what it's saying is that the Holy Spirit baptizes me in Jesus. Do you all understand that? Clears mud, isn't it? Second baptism is the disciples' baptism in water. We were at the lake here for our, our annual picnic, and we baptized six people in water. And it's full immersion. I mean, baptizo is a Greek to mean fully immersed within. So when we baptize people in water, they get really wet in this church. All right? Uh, it, it is, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful symbol of the old man being uh, left behind, those things cut off and, and buried. It, it's a beautiful, and I've got a whole message on that one, and that's not for this morning. But, but the concept is, is that we're fully immersed in Jesus at our salvation. And when, we, when the disciples, and I, li- I like that, disciple means Christ's follower. That doesn't necessarily mean that a pastor has to baptize. I've had fathers baptize children. I, I had a funeral here a few weeks, a few uh, year, years ago for uh, a, a lady in our community, and Kay King baptized her in her bathtub. She's a Christ follower. She's a disciple. She has the right to baptize in water. You have the right to baptize in water. How many of you know what I'm saying? <gasps> Blasphemy. No, it's the disciples' baptism. That's, that's, what, don't we, we recognize it. In Matthew 28, it said, go ye therefore making disciples. Mathetusate is the word, make disciples, make disciples, create others, bring them to faith. And then it goes on, it says, of making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's a, but there's a third baptism. We have the Holy Spirit baptizing in Jesus. We have disciples baptizing followers in water. And then we have Jesus baptizing in the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about that this morning. Listen to this. It's literally a baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm kind of a wordsmith and, and I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to words. I love the language. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism in Jesus where we are made new in Christ. That's our salvation. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is Jesus' baptism in the Holy Spirit empowering us to live out our salvation. How How many of you are saved? How many of you have come to faith in Jesus Christ? You love him with all of your heart then you have been baptized. The Holy Spirit baptized you in Jesus. You are saved. Glory to God. Can you say amen to that? All right. And then how many of you have been water baptized? All right. Praise the Lord. You got really wet. All right. So we have been baptized in Jesus. That's that's speaking of of our our relationship with him and testimony and our, our standard of faith. But here he talks about another baptism. In Matthew chapter 3, it, it's interesting. He says, I indeed baptize you. This is John the, the, the Baptist speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, under repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit baptizes, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us in that. I want you to look at something here. This baptism and this baptism are not the same. Theologically, they are not the same. Grammatically, they are not the same. When I come to faith in Jesus Christ, I'm saved. 
And he puts his spirit in me, yes. But being saved and having his spirit is not the same as this baptism that Jesus brings into our life. They're, they're completely different. Jesus wants to immerse us completely, surrounded by, completely filled with, to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He, he doesn't want just to... Let, let me illustrate it this way. I come to Jesus, and he fills me with his Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings me to Christ. I'm filled, but Jesus baptizes me in the Holy Spirit. And it's a whole lot more than what I came to receive. Do you understand? Does that make sense? Wow, you can't even see that cup. That's a better illustration than I thought it would be. (laughs) Glory to God. And that's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to be so filled with the Spirit. It's not a mystical thing. It's not a weird thing. It's a wonderful thing. Because I have him enveloping me. I have him guiding me. I have him directing me. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's interesting that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is found in every one of the Gospels. Now, the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. And it's significant because the first three Gospels are called synoptics. They're similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic Gospels, simply meaning that they're very similar. It's interesting that there there are things in the book of John that you will not find in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're similar because they, they, they talk about the birth of Jesus, but they pick up the remainder of the story after the beheading of John the Baptist, and it's the third year up to resurrection that they speak. John, in A.D. 70, I think, said, you know what? I want to tell them the rest of the story. Yeah. And so what he does is he picks up where they didn't have. For example, in John chapter 2, he talks about the wedding feast at Cana. In John chapter 3, he talks about the, the, the Nicodemus coming by night. He talks in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. In John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. In John chapter 9, the blind man. In John chapter 11, Lazarus raising from the dead. Chapters 14, 15, and 16 are the conversation at the Last Supper. None of that is found in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Very few things are found in both all four books. But what is found in all four books is the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All four of those things are found throughout all of the Gospels. And if the, if the, if the death, the burial, and the resurrection, which are very profound, they're central, they're core, they're cardinal dynamic to, the, to our faith, Amen? But then he adds one more, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And yet we have relegated that to something mysterious or something non-essential. Or perhaps it's been because we've never really been taught the value and the imperative of this wonderful person called the Holy Spirit. I I think it's so important. And I'm going to take a little bit of a moment just to share with you some of these thoughts. We've already read it out of Matthew. Mark says, I indeed baptize you with water. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Speaking of Jesus, Luke chapter 3, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In in John, excuse me, that was Luke chapter 3. John chapter 1, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining. That, that's, that's essential. Because up to this point in time, the Holy Spirit descended, but he did not remain upon individuals. If you go back in the Old Testament, you remember Saul, the king. The Spirit of God came upon him. But because of his failure to be faithful to God, the Holy Spirit was taken from him. 
Samson. You remember Samson? He, he, he was strong. He was powerful. He did all of these things, but he failed. And it says that after Delilah cut his hair, he wished not that the spirit had been departed from him. You see, this, this concept of the Holy Spirit coming and remaining was something brand new. And John is saying, God is saying that to whom you see the Holy Spirit come and descend and remain, and that's critical, listen to him. I heard a cute story. How many of you have ever seen the Holy Spirit, the emblem of the Holy Spirit, a dove coming? A lot of people have the idea that, that, that you know, a dove like the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. You, you, you saw the wrong movie. <laughs> the Holy Spirit came as a dove, gentle, gentle, came and, and came upon Jesus. I, there was an old preacher one time. He decided he was going to illustrate this, and there was a trap door right above the platform. And he had a little boy up there with a dove. And at a certain point in the message, he's going to say, and the Holy Spirit came like a dove. And he says that little boy was to throw that little bird down. And he comes to that point and he says, and the Holy Spirit like a dove. Nothing happened. The Holy Spirit like a dove. Nothing happened. The Holy Spirit like a dove. And the little boy's face says, Pastor, the cat ate the Holy Ghost. You want me to throw the cat down? <laughs> We're not going there this morning. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> but when John was told, when you see the Holy Spirit come and remain. Now listen to this. Jesus is God in the flesh. And Jesus needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if he needed that, who am I? The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and stayed with him. The things that Jesus said and did, he reminds us, I do the things that I do not of myself, but of the Father who has sent me. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led in the power of the Spirit out of the wilderness. He was filled with the Spirit. His baptism was not only a baptism in water, but he was baptized, if you will, with the Holy Spirit because the equipping power of the Holy Spirit was what allowed him to do and be what he had to be at that moment. And if Jesus needs it, so do I. So there's three, three salvations or three baptisms. We have salvation, water, and spirit baptism. Those three are found throughout the scriptures. And Jesus, how many of you think Jesus is our example? No, you just went to sleep on me. How many of you believe Jesus is our example? Do you really believe he's our example? If we're to follow in the example of Jesus, then we should follow what he said. Things that I do, you shall do also, and even greater things. It's not just the things that I do, it's who I am. Follow my example. Was Jesus saved? Well, actually, he was salvation. You see, salvation is being born again. You know what Nicodemus said? A man must be born again. Jesus was born Right the first time. We worked. He was born without sin, without blemish, didn't sin, didn't fail. He lived a sinless life. And he was empowered and boldened by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he was saved. He was salvation. He was water baptized. And on the day of his baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him and remained upon him. Kind of a visual, isn't it? Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart. This is Jesus. These are the last words Jesus would speak. How many of you think that the last words of any human being on earth are significant words? They hold great precedence even in a court of law today. 
The last words are valued and important, and these are the last words. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. I love that word. The promise of the, say that with me, the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that occurred on the day of Pentecost. And it's interesting that on that day, there was a powerful moment when the Spirit of God came upon that early group of people. And they were indeed baptized with the Holy Spirit. There was a powerful outpouring of God's presence. You know, it, it, it says, tarry and pray. They waited. I don't know that they had a clue what was going to happen. But they were in for 10 days. They went to the temple every single day and they prayed. They sought God. My theology is a little strange, perhaps. I do not believe that the Holy Spirit came to them in the upper room. I believe that's where they abode because they were every day in the temple in prayer. And I believe it was in the temple that Jesus, a few days earlier, came in and purged that place and said, You have made this my father's house a den of thieves. This is my father's house. It is a house of prayer. And for 10 days, they gathered after resurrection in that place, in the cloisters of Solomon. And they, they, they were in prayer. And I believe it was in that place where the Spirit of God came. And then it says there was a sound of a rushing, mighty wind that filled the whole house. It's not talking about an upper room. You don't put 3,000 people in an upper room. But you have... Outside in the court of the Gentiles, Edersheim says that the court of the Gentiles could hold 175,000 people. That's a lot of people. And this was a Jewish feast, Pentecost, and they came from all over. How many of you know what the word Pentecost means? Penta is five. Costa to the tenth power. It simply means 50. So here's, here's, here's the Greek Definition of the word Pentecost, 50. Isn't that a scary word? Doesn't that just make you shudder? 50. That's what it means. 50th day. All it means. And it says, and after being assembled together with, with them, he commanded them, I want you to stay here until you receive the promise of the Father. And what was the promise? That you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up at that day and he, he gives a sermon. In verse 37 it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said, Repent. That's salvation. And be baptized. That's water baptism. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit was the promise of the Father. Now let me share with you something. The gift of the Holy Spirit wasn't just the gifts. There's all kinds of gifts of the Spirit. He's not talking about the gifts. He's talking about the gift. That's the promise. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was, was sequential to the words that Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, but when I go into my Father's presence, I will send to you another comforter. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send to you the parakletos, this one that will come alongside, be in you, with you, and for you. Glory to God. I get excited about that. How many of you get nervous? <laughs> Hold on. Wait for the promise. There's a teaching that says that this was only for the days of the apostle. It was all for then. It was, it was back then. It's not for us today. We, we don't have that today. We don't need that. And that was for them. Really. Jesus told them to wait for the promise, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But listen to the next verse. 
For the promise is to you, speaking to those first century believers, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How many of you know that includes us? Because if it doesn't include us here, it doesn't include us in salvation. You can't take and part and parcel the Word of God. You can't take and say, I don't like that because it doesn't fit my theology, so I'm going to scratch that. That's not what the Word is there for. God's Word tells us this is for every person that will follow Christ. This is a promise that the Father has given to the church. Wow. Glory to God. We have the same Access point to the Father, to the Son, and with the Holy Spirit that Peter, James, John, and Paul had. Can you say amen to that? So what is he saying? Repent, get saved, be baptized in water, and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Philip goes to Samaria, and and we're going to see something here. Three unique baptisms That happened there. Three unique distinctions of salvation, water baptism, and the Holy Spirit. That happens when Philip goes to Samaria. There was an outpouring of God. It was a massive revival. People were getting saved. And then it says in Acts 8.12. It says, but when they believed, Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. It's wonderful. That's great. They came to faith. In Jesus, they were baptized in water, but listen to this. Then Peter and John show up. Now when, in verse 14, the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. If, if they were saved... And these two are identical, then why did Peter and John come down to tell them about the Holy Spirit? Because they had not yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They had received Jesus Christ. They were water baptized, but they had not received the fullness of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is what God was trying to tell them. He said, listen to it, it says, Then they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Powerful. Why would Peter and John come down there if it was the same thing? Because it wasn't. It was a second act of God's grace and mercy upon them. They were saved, water baptized, but they still needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Many today, as in that passage, have been saved and water baptized, but have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it's for every human being. It's for every believer in Jesus Christ. It's for every one of us. I'll say amen all by myself. It's for all of us. It's not for a select few. It's not for some, you know, elite group of people. It's for all of us. Now, let me me give you a a thought here. One of the concerns that I have, and I've been in this thing for a while now, and one of the things that has driven me nuts is, is some people will have an experience with the Lord, and all of a sudden, they, they have arrived, and they kind of have an attitude. If humility doesn't work with this, throw it away. Because what you have is a religious spirit that rises up and says, I have the Holy Ghost. Well, you've got a whole lot of pomposity, too. We walk in humility. Please hear this. It is the Holy Spirit. When he says that he came upon Jesus in the form of a dove, there's gentleness. There's quietness. There's meekness. There's kindness. 
There's holiness. Does that make sense? Not arrogance, not pride, not pomposity. The Holy Spirit comes humbly. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a wonderful thing. And yes, there are, there, there are wonderful manifestations that come with it. There are wonderful gifts that come with it. Pentecost, for, for so many years, tongues has been the big cry. It's been the thing. We, we, it's like people are seeking tongues. Folks, I'm looking for the promise. A prayer language is an incredible thing. I remember when, when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I remember when that prayer language became a part of my life. It's still a part of my life. But hear me. It isn't my prayer language that I'm seeking. It is the promise of the Spirit of God. That's what we need is the Holy Spirit Himself. Glory to God. We don't just need a manifestation. Thank God for the gifts. They're wonderful. But it isn't the gifts we're seeking. It's the promise that we're seeking. Is that, is that clear this morning? And it's not degrading anything. It's not, not degrading any of that this morning. Being filled with, with and baptized in are two separate events. Being filled with is Jesus. Being baptized in is, is this fullness of the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, I love this. We started with it. And, and it happened when a Paul, with, while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Notice that word, disciples, didaskalos, disciples, these followers, Christ followers. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, you believed. Now think about this. Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament, he was a brilliant theologian. He understood. He was a rabbinical scholar. He was a, a, a part of the Pharisee sect. He understood the word. He had memorized the first five books of the Bible. He knew the word. He theologically was sound and grounded. And he says to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They believed, but he's speaking about this. Don't you think that if he were confusing the two, he wouldn't ask? But he understood there was a distinction. Did anyone tell you about the Holy Spirit? Pray for you to receive it. That's what he's saying to them. They went to church very much like what we do. But were they hearing the word? It goes on, it says, So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And then he said to them, What, what, were, you, what were you baptized? Into what were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, salvation, saying to them, saying to the people that they should believe on him whom would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized in water. Now listen to this. Saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after them on Jesus Christ. When they heard they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful thing. If Peter, Paul, James, John, the early church needed that, if Jesus wanted this and needed this himself, why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we? We're not talking about some strange phenomenon. We're talking about something that God wants to bring to every believer. The pattern is throughout the scriptures. Acts chapter 1, Acts 8, Acts 19. You see it throughout it. You can read about it through the writings of Paul and in Corinthians and Ephesians. You can find these scriptures throughout the word. 1 John 5 says this, For there are three that bear witness in, in heaven, the Father, the Word. How many of you know that Jesus is his earthly name in heaven. Jesus' name is the Word. 
In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love it. Therefore, the three, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, in heaven. There's the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. On earth, there's a witness equal, and it's three baptisms, if you will. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Salvation, we could also use the term blood. Why? Because it's through the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. That's salvation. So you have on earth the water, the blood, and the Holy Spirit. In heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They have a unique identity one toward the other. And they bear witness of one thing. The supernatural power of a living God. Wow. I need a God bigger than me, folks. Amen? I need a God that can do more than I can do. I need a God that can do the miraculous. I need a God that can heal. I need a God that can save. I need a God that can deliver. And that's what we see in this wonderful, wonderful thing. The Father, the Word, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. These things are synonymous, and we need them. When you get saved, you become a new person. Old things are are passed away. All things become new. My salvation, that's the way it begins. When, when you're baptized in water, we cut off the old and, and we, we identify with this new. But when we're, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we receive power to walk out this new life. You're making me nervous. Does that make sense this morning? It's just a teaching. I'm teaching you the Word of God. To go to heaven... You simply need this. You don't, it, it, we, we need all three. We should have all, but, but salvation is what I need for heaven. I've heard people come up with the most cockamamie things. That you've got you, to be baptized in water or you won't go to heaven. Well, that's making the water more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ, God's immaculate conception conceived son the water is not more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ the water only helps us to identify in our testimony to a world that we are Christ's followers and not ashamed to proclaim his name Baptism in the Holy Spirit is wonderful. It's powerful. It helps me. It equips me. It, 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 it gives me the authority to walk in this life I've had people tell me, well, unless you speak in tongues, you won't go to heaven. Show me in the Word of God. It doesn't say that at all. I thank God for the gifts. I thank God for the manifestations. But my salvation is based on the blood of Jesus Christ alone. And everything else that He has given to me and all of these other things that He has shared is only there to to equip me and help me to live out my salvation right here. How many of you know we live in a pretty corrupt world? And we need everything God has in store for us to live out this salvation, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth to a world that's corrupted by sin and degradation. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I, just, I just thank God for that. I, I, let, me, let me finish with this. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers, now he's speaking back to the Old Testament, that all of our fathers were under the cloud. Let me remind you of something. The cloud in the Old Testament was always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. When the children of Israel were coming through the wilderness period, what was it that followed them at night? A pillar of fire. What was it that preceded them through the day? A cloud. It's representative of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was there. He was present with them. Moses was, if you will, a type of deliverer. He was a type of Christ to the Old Testament. He was the deliverer of the children of Israel. He was like Christ in our generation. The, the cloud was the Holy Spirit. Now listen to the way it goes on. It says, 
Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the water. They had Moses, who represented salvation. They had a cloud that represented the Holy Spirit. And they walked through what? The water. Representing a baptism. Isn't that amazing? You ever have a prof at school that would race a board and just kind of go like that? Did it drive you crazy? I'm not really OCD, I promise. many of you know what this is? My artistic abilities precede me, don't they? This is the tabernacle. Court of the Gentiles. The holy place, the holy of holies. Okay. This is where the presence of God was. Okay? One entrance. Just one. Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no, no, no other way to the Father but through the Son. There were three distinct statements before the presence of God. The first thing you would come to is called a labor. Excuse me. The altar. That's where the blood of the lamb was shed. That's our salvation. But the second thing you would come to was called the labor. That's where they would wash, the ceremonial washing. But there was a third. It was a flask. To enter into the presence of God in that day, in that day, you had to be anointed. The priest could not come into the Holy of Holies without the anointing. It doesn't mean that you can't find the presence of God. A lot of people come in and they try to circumvent that. Maybe they come in this way and then go this way. I need the anointing. You need the anointing. It doesn't mean that we can't experience God. But what it does mean is that there's so much more that he has for us. It's so, so wonderful, the equippings that he wants to bring to us. We make it so hard. How did you come to Jesus? When you asked Christ to come into your life, what was, did you have to go through some kind of a gymnastics spiritually? What did you do? You invited him to come into your life. Father, I need a savior. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Did he? He did because we invited him, didn't he? Does that make sense? Why would he make it more difficult then to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit than he does salvation? We're asking for the promise the gifts, they come. They come as God designs and desires. 
But we're asking for the promise of the Father. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want every aspect of the Holy Spirit a part of my life. How many of you can say amen? amen. Would you stand with me this morning? In the altar time this morning, I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not, we're not going to lay hands on anybody. We're not going to do any of that. But it's an act of faith. My salvation was an act of faith. Father, come into my life. To receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an act of faith. It's a simple invitation. Father, I want the promise. How many of you know God is, when God makes a promise, he'll carry it through? Hello? Why? It's a promise. He says, I don't want to withhold any good thing from my kids. I want you to have everything. Hallelujah. Think about that. And all he's saying to us is, will you be willing to ask him for the promise? Will you be willing to say, I want you, Holy Spirit, to fill my life, to baptize me, to flood my life? Jesus, I want you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. We're not asking for odd phenomena. We're simply asking for the promise of the Father. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. How many of you would, without hesitation or reservation, say, Father, I want everything you want for me. I want everything you want for me. I want every promise that you have for me. I want all of the blessings that you have in store for me. And I'm going to ask you to do something with me this morning. I want you just as a statement, I want you to come to the altar. I want you just to stand here, everybody, right now. Those of you that are sincere about that, I want the promise of the Father. I want the Holy Spirit. I want every good and blessed thing that God has for my life. Amen? All of it. Wow. All of it. All of it. I remember, I remember when I, when, you got to come all the way forward because everybody's coming. I like that. Amen. Now, now, now listen to your pastor for a second. I'm not here trying to coerce you into something strange or odd. I just want God's blessings. I want the best that he has for us. I have a whole message on what I call a pure language. And and, and it's just one of the gifts that God has for us. And it's for anybody. It's for all of us. It's for spirit-to-spirit worship and communion. But that's a whole other message. And that's good. And Some of you are going to experience that, and some of you have already experienced that. It's wonderful. But what I'm asking for you this morning is not just simply for that. I want you to know the promise. I want you to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Oh, church, he's wonderful. And he can guide us, and he's all-powerful. He can deliver us. He can heal us. He can sustain us. He can guide us. He can teach us. That's the promise. Is that what you want this morning? Would you just lift your hands? Just just lift your hands to him this morning. Father, you see your people. (laughs) And Lord, I thank you that you have not given to us a promise that you would break. But you, Holy Spirit, want to come. We give you invitation. We ask you to baptize us, Jesus. Baptize us with your spirit. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit that brings promise, that brings strength, that brings healing, that brings deliverance, that brings awesome power to us as we live out this life in this corrupted world. 
Help us, oh God, that the power of the Holy Spirit will come into our lives and help us to become that light and that salt that will draw others to the kingdom of God. You said that tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from upon high, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Father, I want to be a strong witness. And through the power of your Spirit, we can fulfill the promise of Acts 1.8. Help us, Lord. Baptize us now in the name of Jesus. Baptize us with your promise. Baptize us with your spirit. Overwhelm us with it. Lord, I, I think of D.L. Moody when he received his baptism, said it was, like, it was like liquid love pouring through his very inner being. Holy Spirit, come and flood us, fill us, bless us, encourage us, and be with us in the name of Jesus. We receive you, Holy Spirit, just as we receive Jesus we invite you, we give you opportunity to occupy our lives and our very being in the name of Jesus. We ask it, Father, for your glory. We take it, Father, in the word that, that, that you're here and we're, you're faithful to, to accomplish what you said you would do in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody can say, Amen. you love him this morning? Amen. Now listen to me. We're saved. We've been water baptized. And if you haven't, we will we'll do that. Because I think it's, you know what baptism in water does for you? It gives to you a big weapon to whack the devil right over the head. Amen. It's a statement. It is a defensive weapon. You have the authority to say, I am a Christ follower. I died to self and I'm resurrected to him. It's a whole other teaching. Amen but I am Holy Ghost baptized as well. Listen to me. Don't you hesitate in letting God's presence and His Spirit flood your life. I'm, I'm praying that every one of you will find that prayer language that God has for you. It, it, it doesn't have to be weird. It can be in your prayer time, and mine is in my prayer time. Because it's a connecting point between you and Him, spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit, your spirit to his spirit. How many of you know that when you're praying in that language, you're praying the perfect will of God? You know why? Because your, your will, your thoughts, your, your desires do not enter into that, that realm of communion between you and the Father. The Spirit prays the expressed will of the Father through you. Glory to God. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray your blessing over your people. The Father, you will bless them and keep them. You'll flood them. You'll strengthen them. You'll touch them. You'll encourage them. Father, from this moment forward, may the enhancing of the power of your Spirit embolden them, come upon them in such a powerful way, overwhelming way. Strengthen them. Encourage them in every good thing that you have for them. Flood their lives with goodness and mercy. Bless them and keep them. Go before them and guide them. Teach them and strengthen them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.